Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 128 called Nicole C. Today's episode is sponsored by Vios Fertility Institute. You guys, I've had the pleasure of working with Vios for Fertility Rally, and I cannot say enough good things about how much Vios gets it when it comes to infertility, fertility, and the patient experience. Vios is built on a foundation of patient-centered care, evidence-based medicine, and innovative technology. They have clinic locations throughout the country and patients from around the globe. And as a patient, you'll notice a difference from your very first phone call to the team celebration of your positive pregnancy test and everything in between. Bios physicians are board certified and fellowship trained reproductive endocrinologists and infertility specialists. Many of them have also experienced fertility treatment or a struggle to build their own family firsthand. The Bios Fertility Institute team works to create an individualized plan best suited for a patient's emotional, physical, and financial needs. I got to know Vios first through their social media handle, and I'm super impressed by their commitment to the fertility community overall. Through Instagram, Facebook, their blog, and other social media, they offer great resources and credible fertility education. Check them out in all the social places at Vios Fertility, and check out the blog on their website, viosfertility.com. To learn more about BIOS, to take advantage of that education and fertility information, or to schedule your first appointment, visit biosfertility.com. That's V-I-O-S-F-E-R-T-I-L-I-T-Y.com. Thanks, BIOS. Today's episode was sponsored by 2 Plus Fertility, which was designed to help solve the issue of less than 1% of sperm reaching the egg when you're trying to conceive at home. Comfortable and easy to use, each device, which is as seamless as using a tampon, can be used up to four times a month. It's soft and comfortable, drug-free, and made of 100% medical-grade silicone. 2PLUS believes that every drop counts and encourages users to insert 2PLUS sperm guide before sex in an effort to stop sperm from flowing back out of the vagina post-sex. 2PLUS wants to bring as much sperm to the right place in the vaginal tract and create an experience that can be tried from the comfort of your own home or hotel room. Learn more about this product, which can be discreetly shipped to your doorstep, by visiting 2plusfertility.com. It's available in the US, the UK, and Singapore. Don't forget to use our special discount code IAF30 for a 30% discount across all products. Thanks, 2PLUS. Okay, guys, talk about a complete badass. I cannot wait for you to hear this story with my guest today, who's named Nicole. I met her because she emailed me and wanted to share her story and what a story it is. She's going to talk about dealing with cancer, not once, but twice, and going through infertility at the same time. So I don't want to give away too many details. I want her to tell it in her own words, but I will say that it all started when she went to a chiropractor who found a bump under her jawline and her life took a total turn and twist right there. So she's also going to talk about being Christian and how that played into her fertility journey, finding out she was pregnant on Valentine's Day in 2020 and what happened when she was diagnosed with a second cancer called CML. So I want to thank Nicole for her honesty and just this incredible story She's such an inspiration. I really hope you guys enjoy this story. And without further ado, this is Nicole's infertility journey. 
Nicole, how are you? I am good. <laughs> good. It's so good to talk to you. I'm going to give a little backstory because you sent me an email and that's how we met. So let's start there. Did you always, did you grow up as a Christian and, and how did that affect your, you know, the kind of person that you were and are growing up? Yeah, I've, I've always had a very strong faith. Okay. So I know you also told me that when you were 18, you started having like really long cycles. So did you feel like at that point something might be going on? Yeah, I've actually, since even before I started having longer cycles, I always thought that I would have trouble having kids because my mom actually, it took her and my dad about 10 years to have um, me and my brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were, they were 38 when they had my brother and 40 when they had me. So they're a little bit older. So I just always was just like genetically, I'm just going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Um, Did your, was your mom or dad ever diagnosed with anything or what was going on with them? No. And they ended up getting pregnant with both of us naturally. They, mm. they tried uh, different fertility treatments and none of them ended up working. Um, and they just got pregnant with both of us naturally. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, so when I was 18, I, I started noticing longer cycles and because I like my, I always had dreamed of being a mom. Like when, when I was younger, like that was it, like being a mom, being a wife, that's what I wanted. And so I tried to be proactive and I'm medically for most things, I'm not usually very proactive. So, um, I went and we got some blood tests done. I told my mom, she took me some blood tests and, we found out that I had slightly higher than normal testosterone levels, mm-hmm. but that was it. And we never explored it more. We just kind of was like, okay, that's it. And we just moved on. And I'm not sure why we did that, why we didn't look at it more, but um, that's right. all we found out when I was 18. And we just kind of let it go until I was married and ready to start having kids. Okay. So did that, was that shades of PCOS or like early signs of PCOS? Do you think? Cause I know you were diagnosed with PCOS later. Yeah, I think okay. that's what it was, but we're not a hundred percent sure still. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. So then tell me how you met your husband. We actually met online. So uh-huh. I, and I went to Pennsylvania for college, which is, a, I grew up in New York And I went to a Christian college out there and, or out here, I'm still living in Pennsylvania. And Uh while I was there, I tried to meet guys regular way in college uh, and wasn't having much luck. So, um, because at Christian colleges, people tend to pair up pretty early on. Okay. Um, So uh, when I was a senior, a couple of my friends were trying dating apps. Uh, I think it was kind of towards the beginning of when dating apps became, were like really prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I tried okay Cupid mm-hmm. and I met him on that. Okay. Wait, and there's a Christian one too. Christian mingle. There is. Did you I go on that at have, all? I, I looked into it, but the, the only like good version of it at the time you had to pay for. Okay. And I was college student and didn't want to do that. What are they, if um, you get the free site, they're like, you can choose from these scrubs, but if you want like the quality yeah. guys, you have to pay. 
it was yeah, it was it was weird. It was like you could only answer so many questions about yourself and like the interface wasn't as good. I didn't I just didn't like it. But I really liked okay cupid because you got to answer all these questions. And yeah. So like me and my friends on like a Friday night, we would just sit around answering questions about ourselves. Right. And- That's fun. Yeah, it was fun. And so we met on that and uh very quickly mo- a lot of guys on those websites will like want to talk for like a month or two and then meet up. And he was not like that. So I was 21 and he was 25. So he was a little bit older than me or is a little bit older than me. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to meet real quick. He was like, let's, let's go get coffee. Let's do this. So we did in November, 2014, we went and we got uh, coffee at a local diner and kids was a a topic of conversation. And I was very, happily surprised that he was taking things so seriously he immediately was like do you want kids I was like yes and he was like okay because he did not want to date anyone who didn't want kids because that was also very important to him mm-hmm. um so I that like was- that just cut to the chase right exactly so it's like do you want some sugar in your coffee and do you want kids (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and so that kind of like drew me to him that he wanted to be so serious so quickly and that he wanted kids and he knew what he wanted Mm -hmm. um so we we started dating november 2014 we got engaged uh december 2015 and we were married october 2016 okay so you guys are not messing around. It's like, no. let's do this. Exactly. Okay. So then I know you started to try, you said on your one year anniversary. So what happened then? Yeah. So we, we decided that we wanted to just be married, just be happy and like not concerned about it for a year. And he actually wanted to wait longer. And then I told him I'm like, we might have trouble getting pregnant. So we might want to start trying earlier than you think we should mm-hmm. because it might take longer. So we started trying October 2017 ish. And then we didn't get pregnant after a month or two. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm not even going to mess around with like, let's try for a year and then go see a fertility specialist. Like they always say, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to see them. If they tell me that I'm too early to come start seeing them, then that's fine. But at least I'll have tried. Sure. And they, they told me when I went in, they said that the waiting a year to come in to talk to us is really only if you don't think there's anything like th- there's nothing obviously wrong. But if you know that you are going to have problems like you you're having longer periods and you've you have had tests done and some things have gone wrong before then that's when you want to come in like so they told me that I wasn't out of line to come in after a month or two of trying okay so they did more blood tests and all those kinds of things and they diagnosed me with PCOS they gave me metformin to start taking and my cycles were still pretty irregular after a couple of months of taking just the, the metformin. They also um, started giving me progesterone to take at the end of my cycle to Mm -hmm. kind of try to trick my body into thinking it was ovulating. Mm -hmm. And then in 20 January, 2018. So early winter 
Um, I started getting my period for the first time without progesterone. Okay. Uh, and we got very excited. We were like, we're making progress. This is great. Yeah. Were okay. you feeling frustrated at all though, that like you still weren't getting pregnant at that point? And like, how was it affecting your relationship? I don't, I don't remember being frustrated. I actually remember just being like, we're making progress. Like this okay. is awesome. And we weren't at that point, we weren't, we were just like enjoying the process. I think at that point we weren't frustrated with each other yet. We were just kind of like, this is where we're at and that's fine because we had quote unquote budgeted that time for, um, having trouble getting pregnant. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So around the time that I started getting my period naturally, I went to the chiropractor um, and my dad is actually a chiropractor. So I, I had been feeling guilty about not going to a chiropractor in my area because he still lives in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided like, Oh, I should probably go. I'm having some back pain, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I was there, uh, the chiropractor was just like doing his normal manipulation kinds of things. And he, went to my neck and he was feeling around my neck and he found right underneath my jawline, like, a just like a little, little bump kind of thing. Yeah. And I, uh, he didn't really think much of it. He was like, Oh, this is probably just a little fatty tumor. Um, you could probably just go get it checked out. And I thought it is relatively close to my thyroid, mm-hmm. not very close, but relatively close to my thyroid in the same general area. Like maybe this could have something to do with why we're having trouble getting pregnant. Maybe this could have something to do with my PCOS. Right. You know? And so I told my OB and my OB sent me to get a CAT scan. Mm-hmm. Were you getting nervous at this point? No, I was just like, oh, this is just normal everyday, not every day, but like, I'm, this is just routine stuff. Like this is, you get, have a fatty tumor. They just need to roll this out and we'll go on with our lives. And then, so I went to go get the the CAT scan and on my way home, I got a call from the OB Mm. and I vaguely remember thinking, well, this is weird because like what, like that's really quick for them to like get the results back and everything. Right. And so I answered, you shouldn't do this, but I answered while I was driving. Oh God. And uh, (laughs) yeah. And they said, we think this is lymphoma. Oh my God. And my mom has lymphoma. So I knew what that meant. And I was, I just kind of in shock. I was like, Oh, Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. And I just kind of just kept repeating that. And they were like, are, she, she was, did a very good job. She was like, are you okay? Like, do you need me to do anything? Like she, she wanted to make sure that I was mentally okay with what was happening. Totally. Um, so uh, I told her I was fine and that I was on my way home and that I, I would call my husband and I called him on my way home as soon as I hung up with the OB And uh, I told him what she said and he immediately came home and I just remember thinking the entire time, not, I was not worried about my life. I was not worried about whether I would survive. I was just worried. Will I be able to have children? 
Yeah, like, totally. Is this is, is this it? So wait, can you tell me about your mom's lymphoma? So when did, when was she diagnosed and was that part of the issue with having kids? Cause I know you said it was kind of undiagnosed why they couldn't have children, but after she had lymphoma, did they think that had something to do with it? No, she actually was diagnosed with lymphoma when I was in high school, like when I was okay. in school. So it was significantly after that. Okay. Um, and so, and we ended up having different lymphomas. She has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. Um, so for people like me that aren't sure, what's, what are the difference between those two? The main one is that, well, non-Hodgkin's is mainly in older people and Hodgkin's is very much a young person's cancer. So mm -hmm. my mother and I were very, well, my mom is actually really young for non-Hodgkin's and she was in her early sixties when she was diagnosed. Okay. And I am a very typical Hodgkin's lymphoma patient in my mid twenties. Okay. Uh, and non-Hodgkin's is not curable. Like they can't, that they'll never get rid of it uh -huh. uh, completely. And Hodgkin's manifests itself in, in tumors, like in your lymph nodes. Okay. Uh, throughout your body. So I ended up having a, and people don't believe me when I tell them this, I had a tumor the size of a basketball in my chest. I know you wrote that in the email and I was trying to even picture that. Could it was you like, I'm a shape in basketball, but like a, it's like a deflated basketball, <laughs> but like yeah. the size of one. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not like the shape of a basketball, but the size of a basketball. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Got yeah. it. Wow. It was, it was pretty big. And yeah, people don't believe me when I tell them that because it was, it was huge. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you had no idea until they found the lump in your neck. Nope. Holy I had no idea. Cow. I didn't feel any different. And, um, and this will, and it's, it's really interesting as my story goes on, all of my diagnoses that I end up getting I would have had no idea if it wasn't for these fluke things. Okay. Like if I had gone to the chiropractor, I don't know when I would have noticed I had cancer. Okay. You know? Yes. So, so that day my husband came home and we were sad together and we just kind of, we just were together and it was, it was a really sad and special time that we had. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a Friday. And then um, that Sunday we went to church and we told our pastor and his wife what was going on. And uh, my husband is the worship drummer in our church's worship uh, band. Okay. And, uh, our pastor's wife is also is the leader of the worship band. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been playing together since my husband was in high school. So they're, they're very close. And our pastor actually, um, also has had, he actually just got cleared. He has melanoma, which is in the same family as lymphoma and leukemia wow. and that kind of stuff. So they, they very much understood what we were going through. So we told them what was going on and they came over later on Sunday to pray with us. Mm -hmm. um, and, his wife actually um, told me about a conversation she had with a woman um, who also went to our church at the time who had had a miscarriage at five months. 
And she was just telling me about how every baby is a miracle. Like people don't really think about it that much, but every baby from conception to birth is a miracle Mm -hmm. because so much can go wrong in that time. It's so true. And I don't think people realize that until they have problems, whether it be with cancer or other illnesses or infertility, that you're exactly right. Yeah. 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 So that, that conversation really stuck with me. And then the next day, so Monday morning, I was driving, I think I was getting groceries or something. And I was thinking about that conversation. I was thinking about how every baby is a miracle. And on the radio came a song and the main lyric of that song is don't give up on your miracle. Ooh, I just got the chills. No, and like I I just started bawling in the car. I was like yeah. this is God telling me that I'm I'm going to get my baby. I'm I'm going to have that my little my little guy one day. That's so cool. That's it's like hello universe talking to me directly like I believe in that fully. My song was Here Comes the Sun. And I used to hear that when I was going through my infertility stuff. I love that. Yeah. So so my my diagnosis, I um I went, I ended up going to a oncologist that I didn't like. And then I switched to a new oncologist that was actually my mom's oncologist. And he was great. We love him. He his name, um, we call we just call him Doc. He's just like a, a really sweet old older man. And um, he was so great with my whole treatment. We uh, ended up meeting with a reproductive endocrinologist as well during that time mm-hmm. and said that the chemo would not be toxic to my eggs. So we would not have to freeze any eggs. Oh, wow. Which was awesome. And then they also gave me, um, my oncologist decided he wanted to give me a shot of Lupron. Mm-hmm. which um, basically just put me in a temporary menopause. Okay. Like, cycle and everything like that. Okay. So what, um, what's the plan? They're going to give you chemo to shrink, try to shrink the tumor or they're not going to surgically remove it. Right. Yeah. So they did not need to surgically remove it. They, uh, I started chemo March of 2018 and I did basically just one whole day of chemo. I'd go into their office and I would do a whole day of chemo Mm -hmm. every other week until mid-May. And then I was cured and that was it. What? Yep. I, yeah, it is one of the best, better prognosis prognoses of a cancer. It's very curable, um, very low chance of it coming back. Wow. Yeah. So it was, a. it was very a whirlwind of a spring, but it 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 was a, a moment in the past kind of thing. Yeah. Like, now we're done. Oh my God. Um, so how did your Christianity like come into play at this throughout this the chemo and the treatment and stuff and like the power of prayer? I know a lot of people in our infertility community believe strongly in the power of prayer. So tell me about your your stance on that. We just we were just praying the entire time and we just kept the faith. We just, I don't know. It was, it was never a question to us whether I would survive it. It was never a question whether I would get through it. It was just a given because God is good and God loves me and God has me in his hands. And uh, after, uh, 
after it was all over, after all my treatment was over, I actually got a tattoo um, on my, my um, inner left uh, forearm and it says walk by faith. And then it has my cancer ribbon for Hodgkin's lymphoma um, at the tail end of the faith. Mm. Um, because that, that was my favorite verse during that time, whenever I would get discouraged or anything, um, I would just remember I walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't know where, where we were going, but, sure. God did. and that's, that's what I just kept clinging to and remembering during that time. Okay. So after all of that was over, I didn't cycle for a long time. Um, and that was mainly because of the Lupron. We went back to my OB's office and we thanked them for everything that they did in the diagnosis process. Um, and we started meeting with a uh, fertility specialist within the OB's office. Uh, she told me she would not have necessarily given me the Lupron because it does turn off your cycle for so long. And the she she believed that the chemo was so non-toxic that she, like the reason that the Lupron was given to begin with was to just give an extra protection to my eggs. Right. So you're not and, ovulating. So you're not losing those eggs, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, uh, she believed that I didn't even need the Lupron to protect those eggs that it, um, that the chemo was so non-toxic that it would have been fine on its own, but, gotcha. but I can totally see why they did it to just yeah. have that extra layer. Like you said, exactly. God, medicine is so cool, isn't it? It is. It I, is ugh. so fascinating. And you'll hear more of my, in my story a little bit later, how like completely insane some of it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, they, they took me off of metformin and they put me on Ovacetol, which is like a little powder that you put in your drink that helps with ovulation and a bunch of different vitamins. And, uh, with that, my period started to become a little bit more regular and, they also at my OB's office, they teach the Creighton model. Okay. Um, Tell us what that is. That is a way of tracking your cervical mucus to know when you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. Um, so they it's it's a really interesting method and it didn't really work a whole lot for me just because my of my situation. But uh be that what it is, they taught me it. And uh we started becoming a little bit more concerned uh, this past fall when I still wasn't getting pregnant. So like fall 2019, mm-hmm. when I still wasn't getting pregnant, we were st- started getting a little bit more concerned because we had been trying for longer and we we're further out from the Lupron. So uh, we, we got some uh, blood tests and uh, to, started to get more blood tests to measure my progesterone and estrogen levels. and Within that, they found that the day that I was ovulating, I wasn't having enough progesterone during that day. And that was part of my problem. Mm -hmm. Don't really know what that means. They never really explained it. But they decided at the end of 2019 that they were going to, um, to help me ovulate. And to help with those levels, they were going to give me um, a drug called letrozole, Mm -hmm. which is actually a breast cancer drug. Okay. So you, I had to take it at a certain point during my cycle. 
and then it would help me ovulate. And, uh, so I took that, uh, my cycle, January, 2020, and it worked first try. Uh, we found out on Valentine's day, 2020, that I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was the most surreal thing ever. Like we, because we had been trying for so long, we had been trying for essentially a year and a half, two years ish. Uh huh. Um, that, something so simple as taking this one drug would work right away. Yes. So t- wait, tell me about the mo. Okay. Did you suspect that you were pregnant? Like, tell me about the lead up to finding out. I did not think I was pregnant at all. I was just like, well, it's been so many days since I sh- quote unquote should have gotten my period. So I better take a pregnancy test. Cause it was Valentine's day. So I want a glass of wine with dinner mm-hmm. and I don't really I'm not a huge drinker, but I was like, I, I want a glass of wine tonight. So I'll, I'll just take a pregnancy test. And my husband works from home. So I, I took the test in the morning. I didn't tell him I was taking it. Okay. Um, and then he, he says he heard the timer go off and he knew what that meant. Oh, I was hoping he wouldn't, but he knew what it meant. And then he heard me go, (gasps) (laughs) And then we ran, he was downstairs and I was upstairs and we ran and met in the middle of the stairs and I had the pregnancy test in my hands and I showed him and we were just, we were just over the moon. We, we, we were hugging, we were crying. It was, oh my God. Happy Valentine's day. I know it was, it was the best Valentine's day present I could have ever thought to ask for. Right. Uh, so we were elated for a month. Okay. We went back to my oncologist for a routine checkup and, uh, they, we were, we told him in the office and we were all excited and, or in the patient waiting room, we told him. And, uh, then his, his wife is, a was, was, a an employee and she came in and she handed him a paper and said, we ran it twice. And when she said that, I was like, that's weird. But mm-hmm. I just kind of, I was like, I'm just so happy right now. We're, we're still newly pregnant and we're telling our oncologist who has already done so much for us. Like, I'm just, I'm just happy now. Right. And then I think it was two days later at work. I got a call from his wife saying, we need to see you again soon. And I told her, I was like, okay, like, let's, let's make this appointment for like, like two or three days from now or something like that. And then she was like, okay. And she, then we hung up and it just was eating away at me. I was like, what is wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that something happened because a, they're calling me and B what she came in and gave him a paper and said, we ran it twice. And, uh, so I called her back immediately and I told her, I need to see you tomorrow. Like I need to come in tomorrow. I can't, I can't wait any longer. And she said, no, that's fine. That's, that's great. That's come in tomorrow. Uh And then I told one of my friends at work and she, she like helped calm me down a little bit. And it was because I hadn't really told anyone at work yet. So what was, what were you suspecting that? Did you think it was something with the baby or did you think it was something with the cancer or like what was, I thought the cancer was back. Okay. I thought, I thought it was Hodgkin's lymphoma again. Okay. 
So the next day, my husband and I went in and they told me that I had chronic myelogenous leukemia. Oh my God. Which is shortened to CML. Mm-hmm. And the first thought that me and my husband had was, what does this mean for the baby? Mm-hmm. And I love my doctor because it was not even a thought in his mind to terminate. And that like, was just like a weight off my shoulders Mm -hmm. to like know that we had him in our corner for us, that that was not even an option in his mind. Right. So the, the, the way that they found out and the, the numbers that were, that they had ran twice were my white blood count and Mm -hmm. they were crazy high. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how they found out that I had the, the leukemia. Um, Mm -hmm. And so my oncologist at that point said, we're just going to wait on treatment until after the baby's born. Wow. And I said, okay, if that's what you think, that's what you think. That's fine. And then I forget how much longer later it was. I think maybe a month. So probably in April, uh, we got a call from them saying that they were actually closing their practice. Okay. Um, because he, we actually, he didn't actually end up telling us, but we're, we're just suspecting that he's on the older side and insurance is so crazy right now, trying to deal with all that kind of stuff. And he wasn't retiring. He was just moving to be a part of a bigger practice. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to deal with all of that on his own. So we had already been referred to because of the CML aspect of my pregnancy, we were already referred by my OB's office to Penn State Hershey, um, Uh which is a pretty big hospital in our area to be my new OB office. Like that's where I was going to start going. And so we said, well, if we're going there for OB, we might as well go there for my oncology stuff Mm -hmm. because they actually have a cancer center there. Like it's very well known, very um, prestigious. Uh-huh. So uh, in early May, we had our first appointment there, and we met our doctor. And he's a lot younger than our old doctor. He like I don't think he could be older than forty. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he he's been great. And he said he he ran more tests than my old oncologist did, and he said you have a very rare variant of this cancer. Uh, and it is a lot worse than what your oncologist originally thought. We need to start now. Oh my God. So you're what? Three months pregnant? About. So we, we think I, I, I was ended up being pregnant, uh, getting pregnant end of January. Okay. So, and now this is May. So January. Yeah. 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 Four-ish. So four months. Oh my gosh. Um, So that's not great news. No. So people at this point knew I was pregnant. They knew I had cancer. And I had, when I found out I had cancer, I had been advised to stop working Mm because I, so A, that was at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, and B, I was, um, I worked with foster kids at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was going into foster kids homes and stuff like that. So it's already like a high risk of germs and stuff working right. 
And on top of that, the pandemic, I was, they were like, you just need to be away from everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no people for you. <laughs> I can't believe how much you have been through and are still going through. Okay. So yeah, I, I started my, I went inpatient for my first chemo treatment mid-May, which was right before my 27th birthday. Mm-hmm. I turned 27 in the end of May. And uh, we, we, we have been doing chemo every three weeks since I, uh, I go into the hospital for about five days. Okay. Um, and then during, so during that time, I, we also found out kind of that I had gestational hypertension, which is basically just high blood pressure oh while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, we didn't think I really had it like, because the only, the way you get diagnosed with gestational hypertension is you have to have high blood pressure twice after 20 weeks. And the only two times I had high blood pressure after 20 weeks was when I was inpatient for chemo. Yeah. And between the chemo and all the saline I'm get, I was getting, that's why I had the high blood pressure. Okay. But they said we could give you this diagnosis. And that means that you come in twice a week for extra testing, or we could take it away and you wouldn't come in those extra two times or those two times you would come in like a normal amount. And because of everything that we were going through, we were like, I'll just come in. I'll, I'll just, I'll take the diagnosis and I'll come in twice a week just to make sure that we found out he was okay. Mm -hmm. So I had twice a week appointments at the OB's office. And then when I wasn't inpatient, I had to come in every other day for blood tests. Wow. So that was fun. And then also during all of that, we found, uh, so they put something in your arm when you well, there's a bunch of other things that they could do, but they, for me, they gave me something called a pick to administer my chemo is mm-hmm. basically just like two wires sticking out of my arm. Basically mm-hmm. it was in my right arm. And then they found it was a little too far out of my chest. So, uh, or the, the vein, the, the, it was coming too much out of my heart. They did like a little x-ray and they found it was coming too much out of my heart. So they thought, oh, that's probably going to give you a uh, clot. So we should remove it from your right arm and put it in your left arm. So they put it in my left arm about halfway through my pregnancy. And then I was noticing that it, like my arm was still pretty sore for longer than it had been previously. Mm-hmm. So they did a Doppler of my arm and they found that I had two clots in my left arm. Oh, my God. So, uh, they gave, they couldn't give me an oral blood thinner, which is what like the normal thing that they would do if you have a blood clot in your arm because I was pregnant, they couldn't Mm -hmm. give me the oral one. So I had, they gave me a, um, I forget the name of it, but it, it's a shot of, of a blood thinner that I had to give myself in my leg, uh, twice a day because I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I started giving myself those. So that was fun. And then at about, they, they decided with the gestational hypertension and also with 
everything else going on that I was going to deliver at 37 weeks. Like whether or not I was going into labor, they were going to induce me at 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, at 36 weeks, I had, uh, like a little bit before 36 weeks, I had a, my, my normal every other day blood test and my oncologist had, had was seeing that I had more cancer than he would like to see in my system at that point in time. And so he had two options. He could either give me chemo or he could have me deliver at 36 weeks. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. he said that he did not want to give me chemo that close to delivery. So he was going to have me deliver at 36 weeks. So mm-hmm. um, I went in on a Sunday because I had the blood thinner. So they had to put me on a different blood thinner. At, I, I didn't completely understand, but I was just doing what they told me to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, on Sunday, I went in. On Tuesday at 11 a.m., they started to induce me. I did not want and I was not allowed to have an epidural. And that was because of the blood thinner that I was on. They had started the induction on Tuesday morning at 11. At, on Wednesday at 6 a.m., I turned to my husband and I said, I feel like I need to push. But the last we had heard, I was still at six centimeters. Uh-huh. And so my husband went and told the nurse. And the nurse came and she, she lifted one leg. My husband lifted the other leg and she told me the technique to push. And, she, and so I pushed. And she's like, oh, you're ready. I was like, okay. Oh my God. She ran and she got a doctor and the doctor, uh, they all, like all, everyone came in at once and like the bottom of the bed dropped off, the stirrups went up, my legs went in them and everything was like all of a sudden ready. And while all this is happening, I'm having to like hold back the pushing. Like Mm -hmm. I'm having to physically try not to push because my body just wanted to so bad. Um, and then, uh, Less than 10 minutes later, uh, our baby boy was there. Oh, my God. What did that feel like to be finally holding your baby boy after all that you have been through? And and was he totally healthy? It was surreal. At first, we we quote unquote thought he was healthy. Um, He ended up having low glucose levels and uh, a little jaundice. So uh, he was in the NICU for about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it w- it was so hard to have a baby in the NICU. But yeah. I know, I know so many people have it worse that I just, I was just so thankful. Like the, the, in the NICU, he was against a wall with two other babies and he was in the middle and the little girl on one side of him had a heart surgery and the mm. little boy on the other side of him had a colostomy bag. Yeah. And then there's my son in the middle who just has, he, he ended up having, uh, the main reason he ended up staying for that long was because he was having feeding issues. Like he, he couldn't suck. Well, he couldn't, um, take the bottle mm-hmm. uh, very long. So I knew like out of all these problems, we're so blessed. Right. He was very, very small. He was, uh, I guess, he was big for a preemie, but he was small for a baby. He was Mm -hmm. four pounds, 11 ounces. Um, He 
but he was 18 and three quarters inches long. So wow. he was, he's very, very skinny, very long baby. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, he was there for a week and a half and then we got to take him home and that was, it was, it was crazy. It was hectic and we're, we were exhausted. Uh, but we're, we're so glad he's here. And, and now we're, uh, I'm still going through treatment. Like I've already been inpatient. Okay. I've been inpatient twice for chemo Mm -hmm. since he's been born and once for an infection. And, uh, so now we're just basically waiting, uh, chemo wise for my bone marrow transplant. Um, okay. And then I'm done with treatment. Okay. So I can't, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much you've been through. How has it been having a newborn and still being, going through all this treatment? It's really rough. Yeah. Uh, And you must be exhausted. Yes. And it's getting better. I mainly feel bad for my husband because he, when, when I'm inpatient, he's uh, alone at night. I mean, we have either my mom or his mom come and stay with him, him mm-hmm. but they don't wake up at night with him, which is understandable. They're both in their, their sixties. So they're like, they, they've been there, done that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, he went, he started back at work. He had two months off, which was very nice. His job was very good to him. Um, but he's now he's back at work. And so it's, he has to get up at certain times and he right. has be um in the office and doing stuff at certain times during the day and um and then he takes care of me and he's he just he never complains and I, I I'm just so blessed to have such an amazing husband it's, yeah it's it's crazy I never thought I would be so blessed to have him well you are pretty damn amazing too and this is um this is incredible so do you have any just to kind of wrap up um, well, I guess I should ask and not to be presumptuous, but do you want to have more kids? Yes. And that's the other thing we have until my bone marrow transplant to harvest eggs. Okay. Um, yeah. So we, uh, we are in the process. I'm actually going to be messaging the fertility specialist today at Hershey about what the next steps are about retrieving my eggs because the, the bone marrow transplant is going to essentially kill all of the rest of my eggs. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're not out of the woods yet with all that. No. And, uh, she wants to freeze embryos and she said, we probably will only get like three. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I I'm personally okay with that because my husband and I believe that life begins at conception. So having 10 embryos just lying around would be difficult for us. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, but she's also not sure it will even work at all. So that's hard too. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I know a couple of people from college who have adopted and I work with kids in the foster system. So I, I, I think I'm now that a, I have my own biological one biological child and B that I've worked with kids in the foster system. I'm more mentally okay with adopting now. So mm-hmm. if the whole egg retrieval does not work and we don't end up with any embryos, I, I think we'll end up being okay 
because we'll, we'll give some other really special baby a home. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I still can't get over how much Nicole has been through and I'm so happy for her that she has got her healthy baby. And I did want to give you guys an update since I last talked to her. So here's what happened. So before her bone marrow transplant, she did go do an egg retrieval, but Nicole says, and this is a quote, only one egg had matured and because of the price of it all and the lack of guarantee that we could get a baby from IVF, we decided not to go through with it. To prepare for my bone marrow transplant, they gave me four doses of full body radiation, which I was told essentially killed the rest of my eggs. This essentially means I'm completely infertile and if we want to have another baby, we're going to need to adopt. So Nicole told me that she and her husband are now looking into adoption and their baby boy is doing just fine. So I'm gonna post a picture on my Instagram so you guys can see him. I also wanted to remind you, as always, to check out Fertility Rally. If you guys are looking for extra support, we're on Instagram at Fertility Rally. We are online at fertilityrally.com. So many different support groups, uh, two Facebook groups, so many incredible people going through a myriad of different things at different phases, but everybody is there to cheer each other on, lift each other up. So if you need some support, definitely, definitely check us out. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Nobody needs to go through this alone, guys. So definitely find your people. All right. Talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.